Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode two. Let's rewind that back. Season two, episode four. And I am your host, Asha Ferguson. Hey, yes. Throw the confetti. You're back for another week. With me here, Astrid Ferguson on I Mean, Can We Discuss? (laughs) I try to be more enthusiastic. I try to give you a little comedy here and there, you know, because silently, I am a comedian in the car. I'm also a singer and a badass uh, dancer when I want to be. I'm a lot of things in my head. I think that's how I keep myself motivated, right? constantly coming up with new things I'm good at. But today is not about me. Today is about this wonderful interview that I had the chance of interviewing Miss Sherry West. Um, Please, when you're done listening to this episode, come on over to AshtraFerguson.com forward slash podcast and click on this podcast interview, which will say, you know, it's my interview with Miss Sherry West, and you will find all of the information there. You will be able to find um, and look forward to uh, going to Live Girl and even the, the link to buy the Sister Friend Um, book or anthology by She Will Speak. So make sure to head on over there and um, get all the information because I know sometimes it's a little difficult to read from the actual episode. So make sure you head on over there. Okay, so about Miss Sherry West, which by the way, I called her Sheree. (laughs) Oh man, added a little French accent, which you guys will see. And this episode was actually recorded over my phone. I'm actually very proud of myself because I have become very constructive about how I've been doing my interviews lately. So I need to give myself a high five because I've been rolling through this stuff. I have been teaching myself new ways every time. That's what it's all about. So Miss Sherry West is the founder and CEO and chairperson of Live Girl. Miss West has a passion for girls' leadership with over 25 years of corporate and leadership development experience. She is the founder and CEO and chairperson, as I said, of Live Girl, a nonprofit organization that builds confident leaders. Prior to Live Girl, though, Miss West spent 16 years as a finance executive at GE, a multinational company where she was instrumental in its women's network and taught leadership development courses at the GE Management Development Institute. Six years ago, she founded Live Girl to pay it forward and prepare the next generation of female leaders. Sherry, regularly speaks on the importance of building confident girls and has been a speaker at national conferences, including the University of Connecticut's Site Conference and the National Charity League. Her honors include being named Best Friend to Girls by Muffley Media, a, a community champion by the Boys and Girls Clubs, 
and a woman of inspiration by the Connecticut Women's Education and Legal Fund. Her education includes a BA, Finance and Masters of Human Resources and Leadership Development from Michigan State University. She is also married, you guys, she is not single, <laughs> with three children, all adults, and lives in New Canaan, Connecticut. So without further ado, let's head right into it and learn so much more from Sherry West and the wonderful organization called Live Girl. You're listening to, I mean, can we discuss? And I am your host, Astrid Ferguson. We will be discussing different issues that can be debated, articulated, chopped up any kind of way. There's no real set way to this. It could be culturally, it could be socially. It could just be how we're feeling today. So you're here for the randomness and I hope you're here to stay. So remember to subscribe, share, and tell me what you think. discuss and I am your host Astrid Ferguson and today I have the special pleasure of interviewing Cherie West. Hi Cherie. Hi Astrid, nice to be on and I love the French pronunciation of my name but really I just go by Cherie. <laughs> oh see I, I say Cherie because my cousin her name is Sherry as well but she spelled it differently than you and someone who had it spelled like that corrected me and was like, it's not Sherry, it's Sherry. <laughs> well, I'm all in. I, I like Sherry. It sounds so exotic and exciting. <laughs> you know, but Sherry, Sherry West. Yes. <laughs> so tell us about you and the wonderful organization of Live Girl. Yeah, absolutely. I- my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, so Lift Girl is a nonprofit girls leadership organization. Um, we're Connecticut-based, founded over six years ago. And our mission is, is simple, to build confident leaders and to help close the female leadership gap. And uh, we provide year-round leadership development and mentoring for girls and grades 5 through 12 statewide in Connecticut. And then we have a whole host of digital resources for any girl anywhere. Okay, so what are some of the cool events and programs that you recently have, or maybe you have upcoming for little girls that they they should look up to? Is there like an age group or anything? So we target middle school and high school girls. I mean, we start working with middle school girls because that's when you say replace their parents with their peers as their key influencers. It's also when for girls – uh, during puberty, confidence plummets and never recovers. And so okay. that really is our targeted age range. But then we do have, we, we have a wide variety of programming and we have a wide variety of community events and, and our digital resources really um, are for any girl of any age. Um, so we're really there just for a community of support for girls and women any age at anywhere. Um, but our, our, our signature programs are during the school year, we offer after-school programs for middle school students. They're called the Confidence Club, and what, for that, we form small groups of girls. A target size is 15 girls, and we match them with a professional mentor. And um, it's a curriculum-based program, and, and it, but it really creates a safe space for the young women to, to work and navigate through 
issues that they're facing in middle school, everything from body image to frenemies and toxic relationships to social media. Um, but it really, the, um, the goal there is to get to build self-esteem and social emotional intelligence, which we consider to be the building blocks of a confident leader. And then in middle, in high school, um, we our signature program is called the Live Girl League. And for that, it's an eight-week program that sucks young women through launching a community impact project. Um, so it's really exciting because not only are we building confident leaders, um, but those leaders are having a ripple effect in their communities by going out and implementing community change projects to make the world a better place. So those are our signature programs. But like I said, um, we're, we're really all about community and year-round um, support, and it's really about creating a sisterhood that provides the young women with the skills and the experiences and the mentors and role models that they need to thrive um, and so that they, uh, you know, can can matriculate and become confident young leaders. Okay. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there, no, there really is. There's a lot going on, and it's, it's just, it keeps getting better and better. And, and, and like you said, um, you mentioned some of the role models, but we're always bringing in really exciting speakers. Um, we've got Coming up, we've got Fran Hauserbuch, who is the author, the best-selling author of The Myth of the Nice Girl. We've got Alison Camerata, the anchor from CNN, um, scheduled for one of our upcoming events. Um, so it really is, it's really exciting, and there's lots, lots going on. That's great to get such great influencers to come in and really uplift the girls because it's necessary, especially in today's world. No, absolutely. I, I, I like to say that I think since the beginning of the time, there's always been mean girls. It's always been tough to go through puberty and adolescence, but Today, going through adolescence on social media is like, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, it, can, it, can it get any harder than that? I mean, all of those adolescent pressures are magnified. And um, obviously, you know, the research and, and what we're seeing day to day is showing it with anxiety, depression, suicide rates on the rise for young women. So, you know, we're really committed to, to turning that around and making sure that the young women have the skills they need, the um uh, and the confidence they need to thrive. Okay. I mean, does that pressure ever go down, in your opinion? I feel like it gets worse as you get older. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I don't. I, I think if you have a foundation of self-confidence, you you learn to navigate, right? And you learn mm-hmm. to, to manage. And we actually do do so- social media workshops in schools and assemblies um, and one thing that is funny is we'll do like a parent daughter workshop and and you know we'll say how does social media make you feel and like the mom will yell out it makes me feel horrible and overwhelmed and you you do realize that this is a pressure that people of all ages feel but what we do is is we teach the young people to to really cultivate a positive experience on social media we teach them things like you know one, take breaks, put down the phone. Two, unfollow anyone who doesn't make you feel good. And three, um, you know, we really help them explore and think about their online brand and what they're putting out there and how they're thinking about the content that they're seeing. And we help them to, to ask the critical questions about what they're seeing so they really know um, that that's not real. It's not, you know, it's not real life. The, all, this, all these perfect lives that we're all seeing and cultivating online is not real. Um, mm-hmm. So so it's all about just giving them the skills and, and 
the thinking skills to really put that in perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's great that you're doing that. There needs to be more organizations, I feel, to do that with children. So what are some ways that uh, people could support Live, Live Girl? Well, I mean, we're we're a community of support. Um, so just by reaching out, finding us at Go Live Girl, we're at, we're on all the social media platforms. Um, we have a, a podcast of our own called Confident, and um, you know you can support our movement by sharing your voice on our platform. And we're always looking for people, um, both young women and adult women who want to mentor, um, who want to come in and speak to the girls, and or just share maybe a blog post about body positivity or. Um, you know, how I conquered my fear of public speaking. Um, so that's that's one way that your listeners could support us. Okay. Yeah, I could talk about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've had to overcome that big time. Yeah, I mean, I think actually my background is in corporate leadership. And um, I worked at a big corp- corporate company for many, many years and, and Looking all around me, I think most women have that fear of public speaking. And, I mean, that's why you see, like, women speaking less in boardrooms. And mm-hmm. um, it's actually been exciting to, to have the opportunity through LibGirl to kind of rewind back to middle school and really make sure that we're teaching all those skills at a younger age that are going to allow women to thrive. And we've really built it into our middle school culture where public speaking is a part of what we do. I mean, at every leadership summit, we've got, you know, girls raising their hand and when they ask questions they know they have to stand up and speak loud and proud and um, they know when they stand up and ask a question or share an opinion or a response that they're going to get snaps and claps and so they're they're encouraged to share more and speak up more so um, yeah so it's been it's it's been exciting to kind of address some of the things that I saw out in corporate America um, holding women back and and kind of rewinding and, and making sure that these younger women have the skills to, to overcome those obstacles. Okay. Uh, which, actually, speaking of that, was it difficult for you to transition from, like, corporate America? Because, you know, corporate America, I was in corporate. They have a special lingo for everything to then, you know, tone it down for little girls. Was that difficult for you? No, I think, I don't think that, I wouldn't call it a difficult transition. I would call it a rewarding transition. And really, um, you know, I mean, actually, I just recently turned 50, and these young people oh. are the future, and, and I'm, I have so much hope and so much enthusiasm for, for working with them and giving them the skills they need to thrive. So, um, you know, I think it's been a very rewarding transition. And, you know, look, you know, teens don't often – come up to you unprompted and say, thank you so much, Mrs. West, for all that you've done, you know, to teach me, to lead me. But once in a while, when you get that letter or that girl pulling you aside and sharing a success story and saying it's because of you, it's all the fuel you need. Um, So it's it's been a very rewarding transition. That's good. That's good. Because I I think sometimes um, I find difficulties transitioning from, like, corporate to because I have two kids um, because it's like in corporate it's very rigid and you mm-hmm. expect certain results and children are not always like that so right. I'm always eager to 
you know, hear from others, like how would you address someone, let's say a little girl who may not be all that like a narrow path type of girl. Maybe she's zigzagging her way through life right now, still trying to figure herself out, rebelling against certain things. Like what would be um, some tips you would have for her? Yeah, I mean, um, I like to think that when confronted with a young person, as you described, um, I always like to take that breath and remind myself that that's probably the girl who needs Lip Girl the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, um, we all zigzag in different shapes and forms, right? Mm -hmm. Just having the empathy um, that, while you're zigging, that other person may be zagging and they, that you never know what they're going through either. Um, so just having that empathy and just making sure that you're, you're persistent and uh, being there to support the young person and, and um, helping them to thrive. Okay. That's always good to keep in mind. I have boys, so <laughs> uh, mine are a little, diff- a little different. Um, I've never had the pleasure of having a little girl, but I have a younger sister, so I know. About yeah, that. yeah. No, and they're and they're all different. I have two boys and and a girl. Actually, I have three adults now, but um, two, two two young men and one young woman, and uh, that's part of the joy of parenting, right? That they're all different. Yes. So, for some of our listen, listeners who do have little girls. What are some areas or gaps that you're finding that maybe us parents or even society are falling short and we should, you know, maybe spend some more time educating little girls in? Mm-hmm. That's a great question and actually an area I feel really passionate about because what we know is that gender stereotypes emerge as young as age six. Mm-hmm. So, for example, six-year-old girls are less likely than boys to say that members of their gender are really, really smart, and, and that kills me. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we need to disrupt these gender norms at an early age, and I always coach parents to do this just by simply asking questions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether you're watching TV or reading a story together, you know, why do you think all of the princesses are always wearing dresses and always being rescued by a man? Do you think that has to be the case? And just opening up the conversation and teaching the child to think critically about what they're seeing and consuming um, so that, you know, they they will be then arriving upon their own informed decision that doesn't have to be that way for them. Um you know, I have a kind of a little framework that I like to think through in terms of teaching girls to fail, to speak up, and branch out, um, because I think those are the keys to getting young women to bust through these gender stereotypes. The first one on failure is that um, I think so many girls are just afraid to fail. And part of it's because of social media, because all they're intaking are all these personal lives that are curated on, on, on social media. But we need to teach them to embrace failure because that's how you learn. Um, you know, mm-hmm. get your hands dirty, get your knees dirty. You know, the baseball analogy is um, you need to step up and, and take the swing. And yet the more swings you take, the more you're going to miss, sure. But the more likely you are to hit a home run. 
so we need to teach our girls to, to, to embrace failure. We need to teach them to speak up and use their voices. Um, we talked earlier about that fear of public speaking, and I think that's maybe one of the top things that are holding young women back in, in leadership and in their careers. And then the last one is branching out because I think, you know, we need to bust through those gender norms and, and, and teach girls that they need to branch out and get every experience they can and different experiences and meet different people and network and build a personal board of directors. And, and that really is, in my opinion, the key to success and the key to, to educating young women. I agree. I agree. I, I think um, something that I learned recently, uh, I want to say now as a <laughs> as an adult woman, um, is to look at failure differently. Um, especially because you know now I'm a life coach. Instead of looking at failure as something that is permanent. Look at it more as a destination. Um, it's an opportunity. You go in, you didn't do it right. Now you have the opportunity to do it again, do it better. So instead yeah, of I, looking at it, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. So looking at it that way definitely helps shift the mindset because it usually comes from that feeling of not – like you said, um, comparison, not feeling good enough, not feeling like you belong, um, uh, feeling afraid of speaking up, um, especially if you live in a family where you're not entitled to have opinions or it's considered rebellious if you disagree. Um, So looking at it from that perspective definitely helped me especially um, go after things, um, right. try things like this, the podcast. I, I couldn't have told you <laughs> when I first started this right. that I was going to be here. I, I, I don't know what I was doing, but I got here. Right. So. That's right. That's right. And that's the best stuff in life. And mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I think it's a brilliant way of thinking about it. Um, you know, we talk as a girl about failing, meaning the first attempt in learning, we actually hand out failure certificates um, and really? have the girls reflect on, you know, yes, I failed at this. What did I learn? And and to really kind of reorient the way they're thinking about failure because it is a necessary part of life. And to really, in order to succeed, you have to fail first. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to know what you're good at right. unless you fail. And uh, um, actually, Cheyenne and I, we talk a lot, um, which is who recommended Sherry West, by the way, you guys, who's over at She Will Speak. And so we can put in her plug. <laughs> yes, a shout out to Cheyenne. She's one of my favorite people on planet Earth. She's an amazing young woman. Yes. She's a little speak to. But one of the things that Cheyenne and I always go by is that, the lessons that we learn in life, our biggest lessons that we remember are the ones that we fail at. It's not our successes. Right. So the more opportunity that we have to fail, the more we can learn. Right. Love it. So, yeah. So hopefully that helps anybody out there who is dealing with failure, any little girl who's listening to this. Um, 
So what are some ways that um, we can shift those traditional ways of teaching to empower our young women, in your opinion? Hmm. Good question. Um, so I, I think as a, as a parent or even a teacher in, in school um, that we need to acknowledge that, you know, the traditional curriculum is, is not just going to cut it. Um, you know, for example, only 3% of U.S. history book text relates to women. Um, you know, that's, that's why we need Women's History Month. And, you know, people ask me, like, why do we need Women's History Month? Like, we don't have men's, men's History Month. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Um, you know, so we, I think as parents or teachers, we can supplement that traditional curriculum with, with a story about Ada Lovelace or Hedy Lamarr. I just finished a fascinating book um, called The Only Woman in the Room by um, Marie Benedict which is the oh, story okay. of Hattie mm-hmm. Lamar. And there's just so many, so much, so much of women's history that hasn't been told. And um, I think it's really important that, that young women know about these stories, about the women who came before them. Um, and I think that is helpful for them to know so they can stand on their shoulders. And um, there's just so much that we can do to really – you know, and it's almost like a daily process of everything we're consuming, really giving us that gender bias lens check and and supplementing where we need to. Yeah. And, and you know, challenging those traditions, wouldn't you agree? Because I, I have found through times that a lot of times what used to work back then doesn't work anymore. It's part yeah. of the problem today. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I think I've had these conversations with my mother as well, because like uh, me thinking back to when I was a little girl, I wasn't allowed to date, but my brother was. Right. Right. So that hindered me when I became a young woman because I didn't know what I was looking for. I right. Didn't, I didn't know what I was supposed to expect. I didn't, you know, I had to learn my value and um, what I should expect from a man to respect me, you know, um, because I wasn't allowed today. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's a powerful example. And also just on that example of like, you know, what did you, you know, infer from that about their, you know, their trust in your brother's decision-making versus your own decision-making. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And I think that we, you know, t- look, it's 2020, for goodness sakes. Let's be open. <laughs> let's challenge our thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, clearly, you know, we can just turn on the news to know that it's not all working right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so let's um, let's be open let's be kind, um, let's challenge the old ways, and let's, let's, let's move forward. Right, exactly. Um, so transitioning from um, just speaking about uh, things for little girls and pets to forming a nonprofit organization, because a lot of people who listen are also in the process of figuring out what they want to do, how to open up their businesses, working on their side hustles, 
Um, what are some obstacles that you had to overcome while building Live Girl? Yeah, and by the way, I believe everyone should have a side hustle. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think like, you know, I think what you're doing in this podcast is brilliant. Like, that's the passion in life. So, um, yeah, the obstacles, I, I would say that, so we founded Live Girl um, back in 2014. Um, I think when we initially started out, you know, and we really, obviously, the nonprofit and getting the funding to run the programs, you know, we had to go around and pitch, pitch, pitch. Um, we really had to create the need. And we, what we'd hear a lot back then is, you know, we'd love to support you, but we already supported the Girl Scouts. Well, um, <laughs> the Girl Scouts and all of the other girl-serving organizations together only mm-hmm. serve about 10 to 12 percent of all of our girls in grades K through 12 in the U.S. So there's there's more room, folks. And the other mm-hmm. thing is that the Girl Scouts um, it's a great organization, but they're only serving about 25 percent girls of color, whereas Live Girls we're currently serving about 65 percent girls of color. So there, there's, Ooh, there's, congratulations! There's, yeah, yes. well, the, look, there's, there's room for all of us, right? And mm-hmm. and I will say. Um, you know, that, that's really close to our mission, and, and we've been – the key to that success has been we formed a brilliant partnership with the Connecticut Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs. So we're at every Boys and Girls Club in the state of Connecticut, and we really value that partnership. Um, but, but we had to prove ourselves. And then, honestly, the 2016 election happened, and we've had so much momentum since then, and I think there's also a growing awareness with parents that we just need, need to do more to support young women and, um, you know, to build their self-esteem and social-emotional intelligence and to give them the skills they need to, to thrive. So um, we really, really have a ton of positive energy and momentum going into 2020. Okay. So going based on your journey, Someone who is in the process or even just thinking of starting a nonprofit organization, I know this is something that was difficult for me. If someone wanted to learn more about pitching themselves or expanding their vision, um, do you have any, like, books or articles or something that you would recommend them to go to to learn more on how to do that? So I I am a continuous learner, and I um, I do believe that you know we should all be continuous learners. We should all be always seeking learning and training. I'm I'm a voracious reader. Um, I'm always also looking around for sharing of best practices. So I'm always reaching out to other organizations, whether they're in the girls' leadership space or the nonprofit space or even you know corporate leadership um, experience. So I I think. You know, just having conversations with people um, rather than eating lunch alone, reaching out and networking with people and having matches. Um, I just think we have so much to learn from each other. Um, and, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's so many great people out there. I mean, like you and everyone else. And, and before we started taping, we talked about sharing best practices on podcasts. I mean, I just think mm-hmm. that the more we can connect with other people, the more we share best practices, the more we you know, all can help each other um, become stronger. I think, you know, we are stronger together. Um, but the one, I guess, the one piece of advice I'd give to someone who's interested in starting up a nonprofit is that there is a lot of noise out there, and so you, you do have to stay focused on your mission and persistent 
persistent on your cause, um, and you have to make sure you have clear branding. And and I, I would say you can. It's really great to, in today's world to leverage a smart social media presence um, for your nonprofit. I think that's one thing that has actually helped set LiveGirl apart is is really by all of our social media campaigns and really making sure that we've got the voice of the girl through photos and videos out there front and center with our various stakeholders. And I think that's really what's helped, you know, you know, help catch us on, on fire, so to speak. So that would be one specific piece of advice. Okay. And it helps that you came from a corporate background because someone who didn't, they might struggle with that piece. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, for me with my corporate background, so, I mean, in a small nonprofit, which we are, I mean, you're, you're basically, you're wearing many hats. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. the CEO, but I'm also the CFO and accountant and, you know, tax person and, you know, <laughs> insurance person and, mm-hmm. you know, and program developer and curriculum writer. And so, so yeah, so, um, but that's advice I'd give to any, any young professionals. That's the reason why you try to go out and get as much different experience as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So do you want to tell us again about Live Girl, where they can support, where they can find information, if there's any upcoming events that, you know, people should look out for? Sure. And I'll tell you again how much I love Diane, and she will speak (laughs) in their new anthology, which is out now on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, a portion of the proceeds for that book is going to support LiveGirl, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, so your listeners can find us at Go Live Girl. So that's Go, L-I-V-E, Girl. Um, we're on all the platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, you know, we're on everything. And we also have our own podcast called Confidence, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, Google, or anywhere you listen to your podcast. So I hope your listeners will cross over and maybe listen to us. It's actually co-hosted by me and my 16-year-old daughter, Olivia, and we interview fierce female leaders, and um, hopefully the conversations spark personal discovery on how young women can feel more confident. But um, love what you're doing, Astrid, and I love. thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your show, and um, I'm looking forward to continuing to support you in your efforts and in our sisterhood um, as we go forward. Of course, and likewise, I would love to help you guys as well. That was, you know, I always love when I find organizations that, help little girls, especially to become more confident leaders, because that was definitely something that I needed growing up. (laughs) That wasn't available to me. (laughs) Yep. Well, the the future is female, so. (laughs) Yes. And the future. And that was a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening to, I mean, can we discuss Don't forget to subscribe, follow us if you want to see what we're up to, what projects we're up to, and enjoy the rest of your day, night, wherever you might be. I was your host, Asher Ferguson, signing off.